All right, welcome everybody to episode 127 of the MX Vice Show. We certainly have an action-packed show ready for you today as we look back at the MXGP of France and take stock at the state of play of MXGP in general after another fascinating round that's certainly thrown up many storylines. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of world elite MX riders, Calvert Blandrin, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador, Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsEurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there's one close to you. All right, for this one, we've got uh, the man's back again, Lorenzo Resta. How are you, mate? Fresh from the um, GP of France. It was certainly a crazy weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm fine, Ed. Thank you. Thanks for having me again here on uh, on uh, MX Vice. It's always a big, big pleasure. Back from uh, France, that was uh, quite a tough weekend, uh, also because... Uh, we didn't expect to have uh, so much uh, good weather and on Sunday it was really, really warm. And it's a kind of track where you walk a lot, you walk up and down on the hills. And it was quite tough also on an emotional side because we saw so many riders getting injured and it's never nice, you know, to be there right uh, alongside the track when uh, when someone is getting hurted so much. Yeah, and you were particularly close to Guadagnini's incident must have been a, a horrible thing to witness, mate, just when he was gaining so much momentum, just got the first podium, was riding so well, and just another massive blow to the team after Simon's injury as well. Yeah, you know, in 20 years, I saw so many crashes. I saw some horrible moments. Uh, I was uh, almost there when uh, uh, some riders get hurted so much or... Uh, ended their career. I remember like Steven Frossard in Mantova uh, with his horrible crash, uh, Joel Rulands uh, in Majora. I was right there in the restroom that was like 50 meters from where he got injured and his life changed uh, completely that day. Uh, so I saw many, many crashes, but this time was a bit different. I mean, uh, you know that uh, um, the team, uh, the Carly, I mean, a really good connection with the team uh, as a kind of family. Uh, they helped me a lot in the past and also now. And we always uh, together. I saw Davide De Carli growing since he was a kid in 20 years ago. It was really like, I don't know, eight years old kid. And I saw him growing in the paddock and how, how many efforts like everybody, everyone is doing. But uh, uh, I know them very well. And Mattia, uh, it's a it's a kind of um, so nice kid, you know, that uh, always happy, always different. We talked a lot in past with you about this, that having him in front of me uh, in that condition, suffering so much, uh, just really in deep pain. And he told me, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. The, the bone is broken. I know. I can feel my homerus is broken. Uh, and... It was like uh, I was quite impressed. I I'm used to a little bit, uh, so I was just giving him some water to wash his mouth because it was full of mud and and dust, and uh, tried you know just to to say be calm, stay calm, stay quiet. Um, people will arrive. I mean, they arrived like two laps after, 
but then a lot of still stones and ground was coming on him because we were just on the side of the ground. There were no flags at all. There were no Red Cross flag. Uh, just, okay, we were out of the track, but still the position was quite dangerous to me. And uh, I tried to, you know, uh, put myself in between uh, the, the stones or, or the, the, the ground, the dirt and himself. Uh, because I, I don't know what I didn't knew what to do, you know, really. So just try to talk with him, give him some water, and, and try to communicate with the team because they could see me from the pit lane. So they saw from the pit lane the crash, and I just told them uh, I make a sign that the, the, the arm was broken, and everyone was uh, really in a, in a hurry to come there. But it was not possible because the race was going on for the last five laps. Then someone came from uh, from the mobile clinic, from uh, uh, the people that are uh, just coming there, just the, the medical staff was there. They were really keen, even if uh, they were, to me, a little bit unprepared for this because it was not easy to take him back from uh, this kind of little uh, downhill. Uh, Mattia was in really, really high pain. So then they moved him into the medical center he had the first uh, X-ray, who confirmed uh, what was broken. And then he went to an hospital that was uh, quite close, uh, near to Montbelliar, uh, to make other examination. And then I have to say, uh, from from everyone, from the team, from Atia, the family, that uh, we all have to say a big, big thanks to Stephen Frossard, former rider, a really good one, uh, that was... Uh, himself injured in uh, Mantova in 2015 and his career ended that day it was in August uh, we were supposed to be in Brazil racing uh, but we weren't because uh, the Brazil race uh, there was some problem with the and they moved into Mantova we were there and uh, I remember I was making the translation uh, for uh, in between him and the team De Carli Claudio and uh, to just Asked him uh, to come into the KTM uh, Stroker at that time because uh, uh, I don't remember if they lost uh, Ken the Diker or uh, someone else that day and they, they were looking for a rider. And um, Frossard Steven was a good one, a good replacement rider. And I was doing the translation, but then his manager convinced him to go to Kawasaki because um, in KTM they could not like guarantee him a place for the next year even if I'm quite sure that he could have with a, with a good uh, end of the season. But in Kawasaki, you know, the team was run by by a French uh, owner. And probably the guy said, yeah, he, we can guarantee you a place for next season. So he decided to go there. And the first race he did with them was the last one uh, of his career. But um, Stephen was really good because he offered immediately his house, uh, his garden, his garage to the family to come there with the camper. So Davide was uh, driving with the father and the mother of uh, Mattia and with Mattia on the camper to go in there. And then he gave them a car to go to the hospital, to move, to do whatever. And he found out uh, the surgery for uh, Mattia for the morning after. At 8.30 in the morning, oh, yeah. Mattia was already in the surgery uh, with one of the best doctors you can have in Europe, one of the best hospitals you can have in the in Europe. And uh, and that was uh, perfect uh, timing, perfect. So uh, huge, huge thanks to, to the former rider and uh, a great man who is uh, Stephen Frossard. Uh, I know him personally very well. Uh, 
I went there in Lyon a couple of times to meet him, to make interviews, and it always have been really, really nice to me. And uh, now he's uh, teaching and coaching uh, some young talents in France, what is uh, giving you nice results. So I'm, I'm happy for him that he found out uh, a different way uh, for uh, for being in the ambient. So thanks to him. But yeah, it was honestly a tough moment uh, because then you have to regroup and to go working again and writing and preparing your stuff. And uh, it's never easy. It's never easy. But luckily, everything went okay. The surgery was perfect. Mattia will send me a message uh, already on Monday saying, thanks, uh, I'm fine. Everything is okay. I had a good operation and I'm already feeling much, much better. So at least... It's okay. Now it's just time for recover. Oh, that's incredible, mate. It's so even though it's a horrible, horrible situation and such a bad thing to happen to to him. It was great. He had the support around him like you and Stephen to um to make the most of the, the really tough situation because especially when you get injured and you're at a foreign place, it's definitely not the easiest thing, mate. So it definitely would have made him feel comfortable and just to yeah, move and, on to the... and the team uh, the team also was was there with Davide with Mikol with all the all the team members were really really close and nice to him so it's it's a kind of family as i told you and uh, yeah. uh, and those situations are the one where you really need uh, to feel the people around you it was saying just in the behind the gate from Ustream that it's easy uh, to have people around you when everything is going well yeah. it's a little bit more difficult when when something is going wrong but i think he he has proved that he has a lot of people uh, that love him around him even when everything is going really bad yeah well said absolutely and that that sort of brings us to another topic obviously the track was um pretty brutal pretty savage on the weekend um you're talking especially on the saturday big ruts really sketchy lot of lot of um yeah complaints and and words spoken about it and then obviously you saw on the sunday there was some action taken and it was flattened still still pretty pretty challenging obviously bumps holes ruts soft parts um but yeah like Gio was saying to the boss James he was going 14 seconds or that quicker on the Sunday but he he's kind of like I don't mind it either way because I, I can handle it but um yeah it just it just elevates that risk and and what was it like for you on site how did you sort of see the track and how the decisions were made and how it all played out yeah, honestly, Saturday was really, uh, really a nightmare. I saw someone uh, that was going around on Friday afternoon just to make a, a track walk or to to see some lines, some stuff, and they all went back completely covered of mud. And I don't know if it was because uh, they put so much water, maybe too much water, or if they had heavy rains previously i don't know i just know that uh, somewhere around like in the straight uh, line or the start line uh, the first corner you had so much mud on the outside of the line and on the on the straight of the pit lane it was honestly unbelievable how much mud on saturday morning like the girls they were coming up and from the jump uh, going into the pit lane they were just stuck in the mud and many of them weren't able even to ride you know and that's uh, is never good the track was uh, really brutal and savage as you said and uh, and we saw a lot of crashes a lot of injuries and from really good guys really good people with a lot of experience uh, the the world champion, uh, the woman world champion uh, Nancy Van de Van had a couple of uh, bones broken. Uh, Iago Gertz uh, he had this uh, horrible injury on the wrist, and also Paul Jonas was injured. And 
I saw a lot of crashes and honestly, I was surprised that we had only three bad, bad injuries on Saturday because it could be much worse. Uh, we don't need, we don't need this. We need uh, more safety on track because the bikes are already so powerful and so difficult to handle that we don't need that mm, mm, amount of risk, you know, more than what is usual. Then, of course, everything can happen. We see with uh, Simon uh, getting injured in Malagrotta during a normal training before friends. So it's not only uh, this, but of course, a different condition on track can help. So Saturday was really technical, really rough. Only a few guys could make the difference. I saw also in the practice uh, that it was so difficult for some of the best riders to make just one good lap, you know, one proper lap to have a good lap time. And uh, and if you see Razorly in one to five, it was like four seconds quicker than anybody else, and he didn't, it did not cut the track. I can guarantee you, it was just <laughs> because of his age, because of his technical uh, uh, skills that are really better than others. He was so good. Then on Sunday, the conditions were completely different. They tried to flatten everything, having a less rough track the track was still really technical really um but much better much better we saw i think the two mx2 motos were the best races to me since at least two years from 2021 with mxgp those were, were i don't know the, the best races uh, and the, probably the best races in mx2 i saw since long time even if this year uh, we had uh, a lot of nice battles and races but the first motto I've mixed to is something like you can see it 20 times and uh, you never get bored because the action is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It was just cracking racing on the weekend. And like what you were saying with the track, obviously a lot of guys were saying on the Saturday, especially to put in a good lap. It was a really long, long circuit. So long lap times up yes. around those two minutes. More than two minutes. And, and to yeah. piece together every section was very difficult, wasn't it? And you were mentioning yeah. Fever in that as well. And he was one man that, he obviously won his yeah. first GP there back in 2015. He knows that kind of condition. He knows the track. And even he was having his fair share of problems, wasn't he? Absolutely. Uh, I was looking at him also because the speaker was so loud and he was always following the French riders, of course. And so every time he was starting for a good lap, um, everyone was really excited. And, they were, oh, and then, no, he gave up. He gave up because he made a mistake. And then the lap after, again, and I think he was like, like around 14 or something like that till the end. But even even worse, uh, because he wasn't able really to put together one lap. Probably his uh, intermediate putting all together, they were a good lap. But just doing one quick lap wasn't easy. And I saw many riders in uh, having difficulties to, to, to put together, you know, one lap, one good lap. But because it was really, really, really rough. And uh, also, if you see the ruts, they were so deep. Mm. Uh, that, that they caused a lot of problems, a lot of trouble. Crashing into uh, for, for Mattia was this. He, he crashed into one uh, rut that was broken, and uh, he went out of the rut and he lost the control of the bike. Nancy van der Van she crashed so with another rider. Uh, they clash uh, because they went into the same line, and I think she she was just like she stole into the rut and the bike went over and she broke the. Um, the leg in this way, and uh, and it was really really not easy uh, to to going away from this uh, race uh, in one piece. Mattia, one of the first 
things that he told me, it was I knew. I knew that this track will fuck me and then it happened. So uh, it was just as he wrote uh, in his post, five laps uh, from the uh, to be safe and but no, uh, it didn't happen. Yeah, it was yeah, it was just it was sad to say it, but on on the back to sort of we'll, we'll get back to the racing. And obviously, there's been lots of said about the track, and it's an interesting topic, and it needs to be addressed. But we've got to give some love to obviously Jeremy Siwa getting that win. Maybe yeah. he's one of I was sort of do it. Just finished an analysis article on him, and obviously, it was strange heading into that race. Um, there was seven guys that got a podium in MXGP. Obviously, Prado, Hurlings, Renault, Fevre, Fernandez, Coldenoff, and obviously Guadagnini. And uh, Jeremy wasn't one of those guys. And he obviously had that brilliant preseason when we were talking about it, how it connected with the bike he looked. He looked just absolutely flawless. And then it just sort of hasn't gone his way at all this year. And, you know, illness, um, injuries, mistakes, bad crashes. And it definitely wasn't characteristic seeing him going 7, 6, 11, 11, 5, 6 in those opening rounds. And um, what a what a weekend for him. Obviously, he got the, the fastest lap times in uh, both, both the races and he was the only man in the 53s in the in the second one so it was just it was just great to see him back up there quite quick in every session wasn't he and as yeah. Paul Malin said on the broadcast um 171st straight GP so what a weekend for him mate how did you see it um, from your perspective just really balanced and measured and intelligent riding wasn't it yeah it was um i mean i saw and uh, i saw already and we we talked about this uh, in spain it was already back um, to to his pace to his condition uh, he finally found out the way to uh, a good start because in spain yeah. he, he got two good starts here yeah, he that's got two five starts. five consecutive hole shots now as well yes. and he's now level on six with prado so it's pretty incredible yeah. stuff and he got the hole shot in the quali race too yes and and these uh, has a lot about his condition and the way he's working, uh, never giving up. Um, of course, uh, I was considering the fact that uh, um, probably the qualification race uh, changed completely uh, the season of the MXGP and MX2 because uh, Jeremy was injured uh, in the qualifying race in Argentina while uh, it was expected to be the best rider uh, on track to fight with Prado and Erlings. And uh, the preseason was showing really clearly that it was uh, on a fantastic level. But this crash during the qualifying race changed completely the season. And now it's, I think, 99 points or something like this from Prado. What uh, would say that he will not fight for the championship. He could fight probably till the end for the podium, for the final podium. It will be tough, but I'm pretty sure that he will... Uh, are going around uh, the end of the season. But the season for him as championship is is gone already. And uh, and for Jago Gertz, uh, it's the same. So that also the mix to championship, uh, the, the final results was probably changed by the qualifying race as uh, Jago was uh, managing very easy uh, to lead the championship uh, and he got something more than the others even even if he didn't won all the motos all the rounds but his gap was already around for 50 points mm. so uh those uh qualifying races i think we should really consider very very well uh what they add to to the sport also because on saturday mostly of the time we saw the tracks not in a perfect conditions so uh, if we have 19 rounds uh, 
uh, adding 19 more starts will uh, giving more risk, taking more risk to the riders, uh, more expenses to the team, more expenses to everyone. And to me, again, putting all the European series or WMX on Saturday alongside with the practice of the MXGP MX2 uh, uh, give a really good product to see and to watch for the spectators uh, and they will come and they will uh, come on Sunday of course to see the main show having more time on Sunday morning just to go around meet the rider having autograph sessions and uh, I don't know eating something taking day time and enjoying more the race you know as because uh, it's always like a big party you know going there but when the track is always full is always busy and you have always some action you never have the time you know to really uh, stop and uh, and do something else also this time we had uh, the electric bikes on track of course they take only like 10 15 minutes but there is always action you know action 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 i don't know to me i don't know if it's the right direction uh, but i'm not managing the championship uh, in terms of uh, spectators uh, uh, the championship is going fantastic yeah. this year is going very well we had fantastic crowds everywhere as we said already in previous past a part of sardinia a little bit but all the other races we had a fantastic crowd and this is of course because the championship is on a fantastic level and uh, everyone is doing his best but still i'm not a big fan of the qualifying race as i always said um is also giving really interesting things uh, with the red plate of Prado because he won five out of seven qualifying races because uh, of many other reasons. But still, I'm not uh, sure. I'm the percent that is the uh, the good direction where to go for the future. This year is like that, but I think that some they have to reconsider a little bit uh, the qualifying race, in my opinion. Yeah, and obviously another man that was bitten by the qualifying race was Fevre at, at Spain. And yes. Obviously he bounced back beautifully this weekend, didn't he? Um, obviously, like you yeah. said, happy memories of this track and it's great to see him get his third overall podium of the year. Brought out the heel clicker, mate. Yes. And, um, he, he was he was struggling. He was speaking to James afterwards and he said it was it was difficult, like we said. It, was, it wasn't easy on the Saturday especially, but those he, he just put on a clinic on the Sunday for those home fans. He, he pulled it all together and he sort of underlined his class really well. Um, just got another great yeah. set of points, and he looked quite happy, sort of pushing. He found a good limit um, between you know power, finesse, and smoothness. He um, wasn't pushing the boundaries overly hard. You got the feeling, and it sort of put him in good stead to just rebuild that momentum because you never know how you're going to be after a concussion like yeah. that. And it's just just a great record all round. Um, the kit looked cool as well, the special kit for him, and. Um, yeah, we we always sort of have to remember that he did have that arm pump surgery, so he did have a yes. um, a, a hindered preseason. So everything uh, in the right direction for February, mate. And um, what were your sort of thoughts on his weekend and just the fans? How how good how good were they? Yeah, they were really good. I mean, they were pushing a lot. They had a lot. Uh, a lot for them uh, to push for because uh, if you see with the victory of Manistan, with the victory of Valin in one to five, even the, the little kid with the electric bike was French. We <laughs> won, so there were a lot of Marseillaise playing uh, uh, during the during the weekend. Uh, and Roman was really close to win uh, the race, even because uh, he was doing pretty well races. Still. I, a little bit far from the pace of uh, of Jeremy and of the brutal power of uh, Jeffrey. 
because uh, I'm pretty sure that Jeffrey, without all the problems and troubles he had, he could win the second moto, or at least trying to win the second moto. But uh, coming back on Jeremy, I'm really happy because he found back his uh, his good pace and uh, uh, this kid, this guy, or <laughs> kid, uh, is really intelligent, really smart, and you know how to do it. Uh, and um, as I told you last time, uh, I was talking with uh, his coach uh, and uh, he, the Pink Panther told me that he was working, working, working just to find out, you know, uh, to come back as it was uh, before. And this, to me, uh, requires a lot of mental energies because, you know, for sure he was believing that it was probably the good year or it could be the good year. At least you in your mind is set to to fight to fight for the victory for the podiums to be there, one of the protagonists of the mixed GP class. That's for sure. Uh, he could not start the season thinking, okay, we'll see what happened. He, he had a plan in his head, and when this plan is completely getting destroyed by a couple of crashes, even one in Switzerland, uh, it's tough. Then you have your own GP, and you believe you can come back uh, on your own GP with your crowds, your fans, and not. And again, seven rounds, six rounds without a, a podium. Uh, it was a nightmare for him when he saw his teammate winning a race, the other teammates getting on the podium, and he wasn't able to do nothing, really nothing. Yeah. Every Everything he tried, he was like really uh, pushed away from, from, uh, from what he deserved. And in Spain, he was good. Again, as we said, good good start. Good pace. He was in front, but then he was he had this problem with the stomach, and uh, he wasn't able to uh, keep the momentum and going for for a podium at least that was deserved. I think that the most difficult in at that time in this situation is just to keep uh, your mind clean and to say, okay, I will do. I will be back. No worries, and still working hard and be focused at every time you go on track because it's so easy to make a mistake and to 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 be knocked out by by your bike or by the track that you need really to be completely focused so he needed really an extra energy an extra power from his mind to to come back on uh, on his level he's back on his level finally as you said that the records of consistent uh, consistency of races done it's incredible considering all the injuries that we see around and considering the level of his riding that is yeah. always one of the best, one of the fastest, one of the quickest out there. So and he has yeah. had some nasty ones too, hasn't he? That he's escaped. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and then Roman was doing really well. Uh, as you said, you never know what happened after a, a, a concussion. Uh, he had one really bad in Metalli Bassin a couple of years ago while he was riding for Yamaha. And uh, it took a while to come back properly because there is always something that is not really going well. The track probably helped him a little bit. The crowd, for sure, uh, is one of the, those guys that don't feel the pressure of uh, uh, needing a results in front of the crowds, but he's only taking the good and the positive from uh, from the crowds. And, uh, and he was doing pretty well. I was surprised in the uh, first motto that he was... Uh, Fighting back with uh, with Orge, taking back the position and never giving up. We know that he's a guy that never gives up. Gives up, but uh, when Prado is in front, it's difficult always to to find 
the right place. They got a little fight, I think, uh, during the, the the time practice because of maybe some lines, some stuff. I don't know what, but then uh, we I saw during the uh, start practice uh, that uh, Roman was throwing with his bike some stone against uh, Jorge. Jorge was complaining, so it was funny. But uh, I'm pretty sure that there is a kind of. Uh, you know, mental fight and uh, just doing some little stuff to get the other a little bit crazy yeah. or, or like, you know, disappointed because you you want to feel, you want that he feels that you're better than him. But, uh, that but fierce mentality is... too, doesn't he? Like a bit like Renault and Hurlings, he just wants that, wants those wins and that's, he's getting older and he, that's why he's still doing it, isn't he? He wants to win, he knows he can win. He wouldn't yes. be here otherwise, would he? Yes, yes, I think so. It's never easy to have Prado in front of you on track because uh, it's tough to pass. And uh, and this kid is doing pretty, pretty well. Uh, he's, he's doing one of his best seasons. Uh, Roman is still not uh, back to the first step of the podium. I don't think he will uh, be in Latvia because it would be difficult uh, on a track like that one. But he's on the third podium of the season. He's third in the championship. He's doing pretty well. Uh, his bike is, is doing pretty, pretty well. So starts are really good also. So yeah. I see everything in place just to, to keep uh, doing his job properly and fighting for the final podium at the end of the season. Yeah, and the, on the Prado and, and the two Spaniards, obviously we'll talk about Fernandez too, Um, sort of flew under the radar a bit those guys this week and obviously Prado excelled again on the Saturday with his fifth quality race win and now he's up to six overall podiums. Um. Just really managed the weekend. He didn't go over his head. Um, he was just wanting to be consistent and, and bank points. And now he's he's got pretty a pretty nice lead after what happened to Jeffrey and and on to Fernandez. Um, that was a track in the past that might have bitten him and to to get through the weekend. And really another sign I wrote about that last week. Just the you know the maturity, the discipline, yes. um, how he's rising to the occasion, being that one man in the with the heavy pressure and the expectation on the HRC awning, no guys that are take the spotlight away. And um, obviously the team, um, reap, he's repaying their faith for not filling in a rider to maybe help him out. He's he's showing he can handle that burden on his shoulders. And yeah, just impressive by the Spaniards. Again, wasn't it made, even though it wasn't flashy, it wasn't sensational. It was just what you got to do when it's not your day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this fourth place overall, uh, I think it's really important. Uh, was good in points. It was good on Saturday. It was good all the weekend through. Uh, as you said, he didn't uh, make any made any mistake. He didn't roll over his possibilities, over his limits. Uh, coming back from a track like that with a fourth place overall and uh, in one piece, it's something already really, really positive. Um, he's getting uh, a little bit older and more mature, uh, as you said. And uh, uh, it's it's doing a pretty good job. I was speaking with uh, Giacomo Garibaldi during the weekend. Uh, we told told me told me that uh, um, today uh, I think uh, team had uh, again a test uh, in the hospital to just check to to see if uh, the bone is completely uh, healed. But um, he said that it will take at least two months because before we see him back on race on a good level. So what? This means that uh, we are at the end of May. We'll be probably go for the end of July. So I don't know, looking at the calendar, what will be. Uh, it will be probably around Czech Republic, a uh, track that... Yeah, uh, it's good. Uh, can, uh, can, yeah, it can be good for, for, a, for a good comeback. 
So still, we have to wait a while before we see uh, Tim, and it will be really interesting to see him uh, back on uh, on field uh, fighting with the others uh, because uh, it will be not easy for him to to reach uh, immediately the speed of the first of the top riders because it's the level is really high. Even if I was just making a consideration on my way back uh, to Italy, um, Jeffrey is is on another level. Uh, to me, I'm pretty sure that Jeffrey is already on another level since a couple of uh, races. Not only in France, then a part of what happened to him, uh, he was uh, he had the possibility, the chance to win the race, and it could be the third or fourth win of the year, the third mm. consecutive uh, victory. Uh, so this says a lot. Uh, Jorge is fighting, is doing what he needs to do uh, without taking so many risks. Uh, is managing his races very well and mostly is doing perfectly what he needs to do and using his uh, strong uh, his key points in the best uh, way possible. So good starts, uh, the victory on a short race, uh, good first motos. So our overall is really doing exactly what he needs to do. He knows that he cannot uh, go for a double victory probably on Sunday, but he's managing very well to keep the distance with the other riders uh, and to try to uh, sort out the best results out of every weekend. The average of points of Orge is already incredible compared to all other seasons, of course, because of the points in the qualifying races. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's an average that is for the title, you know. Uh, of course, Jeffrey is there and Jeffrey will come back uh, starting from the next race, probably. But it's really interesting to see how, how Orge is doing. But uh, a part of this, of course, there is Jeremy that did the perfect race. Roman is always there. Yeah, uh, Renault is injured, but we we saw riders like Calvin Blanderen, like uh, um, Valentin Guillo, like Benoit Paturel. Brent Van Donning. Yeah, Brent Van Donning, we always considered them like second uh, line riders, second choice. Uh, they are there. They're yeah. not far. They fight for the top 10 at every race. Uh, so it, it says a lot about also the, the huge gap in between the first three, four riders and all the rest of the field. Uh, that uh, That is really, really interesting. Uh, do you think um, do you think some of the other riders are obviously I spoke to Maxime and, and obviously Jeffrey would be feeling the same way just ha- obviously when he was when he was fit Maxime but he was saying it was really yeah. frustrating getting those great weekends on the Sunday having great motos but you still lose points to Prado no matter how yeah. well you did because of that qualifying race yes so, like a lot of guys are like Hurlings and obviously Fever playing a bit of mental games with him but he's just kind of letting his performance do the talking and banking those points. And obviously Jeffrey had issues, has had issues at various motos like Trentino and on the weekend in that second one. Um, we'll talk yeah. about Prado as, as well and how that, how he's just doing that and how much it's putting pressure on the other guys. And, and also just hurlings, mate, what about the weekend? Um, crazy stuff, obviously had the special gear, looked, looked electric. The riding was, he obviously had, he didn't really like the track that much either. I'm, I've heard and, he obviously had his own issues with it in the qualifying race, getting passed by Ferrato and then getting him back. And then he sort of took a little <laughs> bit of a while to build into that first one before he put the hammer down, which he's like the only guy really that can just do that so emphatically. But yeah, just a little take on um, the frustration the others feel for Prado doing what he does. And then Hurlings' weekend with the with yeah, the freak, with the goggle and the foot peg. It's just crazy, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, just to give you a f to figure out uh, how much is the average of points of uh, Jorge, it's almost forty nine points per weekend. Uh, so that says Tiny. really a lot, you know, about uh, what uh, what can be the, the final uh, uh, points for him. But of course, if you see that on seven races, uh, the points for for Saturday are like 10, 10, 10, 10, <laughs> five times 10 points. Uh, it's uh, it's one GP victory with yeah. one one, you know. So it's doing what he needs to do. As I told you, there is a lot of strategy behind this. I'm pretty sure that the work with uh, uh, Joel's Metz is paying off a lot. And uh, they are doing what they need to do uh, to be where they are at the moment. So uh, nothing is just uh, uh, occasional, you know, it's because there is a strategy behind this. And I'm pretty sure that uh, they are doing in a perfect uh, in a perfect way. Um, it, it should, I think it was really frustrating for uh, Jeffrey to going back with one zero in the, the points because uh, he wasn't expecting, of course, this. Yeah, he's a kind of rider that he believes that uh, he will not make mistakes. Uh, he will just finish the race. He's not considering uh, as an option to make a zero uh, in one race or even two zero in one weekend. This is really not the option uh, for him. So uh, it was for sure disappointed. But it's something that can happen. It's something that never happened because, like uh, losing the goggles in that way with uh, just broken, uh, I never saw. Maybe a stone. Maybe yeah. a failure. I don't know. Uh, wasn't able to to find out what it was the problem. Uh, he was riding per really really good on the first moto. Yeah, he wasn't able to to come back on uh, um, on Jeremy, but Jeremy had the huge gap and he was managing really well. Uh, so it was difficult. But the second moto could be really different also because in the second moto we know that Jeffrey he has this kind of uh, more uh, extra uh, to give. Uh, at the end of the race, so dangerous for everybody, and uh, and this is what is keeping at the moment the level really uh, close in between him and Jorge and the other riders. Uh, the livery of the bike and uh, the cloth was really cool. Uh, I was there in 2010 when uh, he was uh, riding in that colors. Uh, uh, taking his first victory was the uh, 25th of April 2010 in Valkensvarda. <laughs> Yeah. What was uh, 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 it's a really nice memory because nobody, I mean, we knew that this kid as a one of the future promise, uh, uh, young talent, uh, but uh, uh, but you know, when you see the kid winning his first race, you always look at him like, okay, that's the first one, uh, we'll see, uh, where we you will arrive, and now we know where he's going, even not arrived yeah. because he has a couple of more seasons in front of him. Maybe two or two and a half seasons to to do more and to do better. So it's uh it, it was cool to see him in this livery. It was not a lucky one <laughs> because no. uh, of this this wrestlers and second moto. But it's not a drama to me. It's even something if I have to say from as a fan of motocross, it's even better for the championship because we'll yeah. give him uh, some uh, more extra to give uh, in the nine next races. He will not need really to give more extra than what he's putting at the moment uh, but uh it's uh making more funny the championship for the fans more interesting because yep. if he had taking the victory and the red plate uh, now we probably could will see from now on just him going for the championship and 
he deserves, but it's not funny on the other side. It's probably funny for KTM, funny for the Dutch fans, but not so much for the rest, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm not Spanish. I'm not fan particularly of anybody else apart of the team manager of KTM, but uh, uh, <laughs> for the rest, <laughs> I have to say that when I see interesting battles, I'm happy. When the show is great, like it was in MX2, I'm happy. When I see yeah. nice races, Anyway, I'm happy. So it's uh, it was okay. Nobody was injured at that time with uh, with the problem he has on the bike, uh, Jeffrey. So that's the most important, uh, and it keeps a little bit more open for a couple of races, even the, the championship. So yeah. yeah, it's not a drama in my eyes. I know that for him it was really frustrating, and probably went away from the track without talking with anybody. Really pissed off, but I can also understand because yeah. when you put. That amount of work, that uh, uh, amount of effort to be where you are, of course, you never deserve a, a, a zero in your points standings. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, obviously looking through the racing with that lens, mate. No fan favorites. That's kind of the way I see it. I just appreciate um, all of them for what amazing talents they are, mate. Yeah, that's it's what they are. They're all amazing. They're incredible riders, athletes, and. Another man. I think you will need, need to cheer a little bit for Mitch Evans, uh, as you have. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I have obviously with the Aussies a little bit of a dog <laughs> spot, mate. And, um, it was good to see him back on on track. Obviously, on the weekend, um, we'll get back to him in a little bit. But um, I wanted to just touch on Valandrin because, um, yeah, what what yeah. a season he's having. Uh, once another guy that's a bit unheralded, unsung, not on a factory bike. I think he's really only only got a clutch. He was telling me a couple of weeks ago. So. Yeah. I'm really putting in some good advertising for that new Yamaha, which is just kicking <laughs> goals across the world, isn't it? And I'm pretty sure he, we were discussing the um, the stigma of the the Sand Rider tag, and he got asked that question before the race, and we we were yeah. sort of saying we've in fact he's emphatically removed that. I, I believe he's a complete rider, um, great on all surfaces. Um, yeah, he's coming to his own, and I th I think he's just due for that factory ride now, and uh, he's just he deserves all the respect he gets because he's still probably not getting it, is he? And and we'll just quickly welcome yeah. Ben Rumbold to the podcast. How are you, mate? Um, good to see you again. And um, yeah, hope life's good. Hello, fellas. Yeah, all good. Yeah, glad to, to join you. Hi, Lanza. Ciao. How are you doing? Ciao. Oh, ciao. Ciao. Yeah. So we'll just yeah, just your take on um, Valandra and um, Lorenzo, because yeah, like what I've said, it's yeah. just it's great to see him doing so well, and and just a one man team. So it's awesome. Yeah, I was having a lunch with uh, with Tony on uh, on Sunday uh, in between the races, and I we were talking about uh, Calvin. Uh, actually, we were talking about him and the season he's doing, saying that uh, he's doing perfectly, and uh, he's the one who is probably surprising more uh, because of uh, the way he rides. And before, uh, as you said, uh, we were considering him only a sand rider, you know, kind of guy who is really good on the sand, but then. Mm, on the other surfaces, on the other dirt, when his hard pack is not that good. In fact, he surprised us uh, with a fantastic ride. Uh, all the tracks he went, even uh, what he considered the worst of the year, that is Spain, he was doing pretty good. And at the moment, he's mm. the best private on track. And he's, the, uh, of course, uh, the guy who's doing better. And with Tony, we were talking about the fact where he could go next year. Maybe there would be a place for him in the factory team, maybe. But then we agreed both that probably he's in the perfect situation yeah. for him. A good team, yeah. just for him, alone in the in the under the awning, doing his job, fully focused on his ride and uh, with what he need under uh, uh, his ass, a good bike, uh, really 
made for him, tailored for him, even if it's a standard bike with parts and with some stuff, like you said, a clutch and a few more. But the bike looks really tailored for him. And they know what to give him. He know what he wants. He know what to ask for. And at the end, he's doing perfectly. Uh, difficult to imagine a better season for him uh, far in, in, in the next years uh, because he's really uh, doing perfectly. I hope he will get on the podium sometime this season. It would be not easy because the, the level of the top riders, as we said, is really, really good. But still, uh, in the sand, in Lommel, uh, uh, maybe he, he can uh, surprise someone and uh, getting there on the podium because we know that on a good day in the sand he can uh, still be a little bit better than on the hard pack. Yeah, it's nothing short of impressive. Impressive being sixth in the standings, obviously, and another man that's um sort of sort of doing his own sort of heroic performances is Geo. Obviously, five um straight top tens, um for six overall on the weekend. He loves that sort of a track. Um, he had the cool kit, the Kenny kit going and. Yeah, he, he said he'd like the track both days because that's he's really good on the hard services, the ruddy stuff. And yeah. he's very experienced now and he, he knows his way around all sorts of weekends and whatever's thrown at him. And um, obviously that qualifying race gave him a lot of frustration because he had that spill while he was yeah. right up the front. He said, he said to James, I should have just backed it off a bit. But um, yeah, he negotiated the weekend really well. The concentration was good. And um, yeah, he's another guy that maybe he'd, he'd be in the shop window for a factory ride. And yeah, him and, him and Calvin are definitely doing the doing the privateer or the private team, um, you're showing how it can be done and you can mix it with those top guys, mate. So, uh, yeah, to Ben, were you impressed with um, Gio and obviously the team's home race? So it was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, Gio did well. Yeah, it was um, It was that much. I actually know the Eurosport commentator and he was like, uh, uh, he said the injuries must be bad because even Gio's getting up there. And I'm like, oh, please, Jack, you know, please, you know, this is not nice, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's always been a good rider, just never quite, you know, he's one of those where I think they've gone to MX2, taken the first three or four, and he's just been left, you know, outside of the factory selections and uh, things like that. And, uh, yeah, like he said there, he's even, as he said in the MX5's podcast that uh, that he did with uh, the interview with James, that he made a few mistakes in his youth and uh, that yeah. has uh, sort of derailed his career a little bit, which is quite quite intriguing, actually. I want to know more. I want, I want to know those stories. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with Guadagnini now injured, that's going to be another position up for him. Renault, we're not sure when he's going to come back and when he does, how strong. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got uh, a good capacity there to get even up into the top eight or maybe seven. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what Valentin can do, but it's good to see a quality rider like him, you know, get rewarded with some with some good results. I think. Yeah, obviously, probably partying and girls is. Uh, I think there was a, a mention of that when they had a chat with uh, Emil Beckman, and um, yeah, just to you, Lorenzo. Obviously, we we'll have to touch on Brent Van Donnick, a guy that doesn't get the coverage typically. A JM Honda guy. He enjoyed that track on the weekend. Really great performance, and he's been coming. He's his riding's been excellent. The results haven't reflected his speed because of things like chains going and just bad luck you know it just hasn't really fallen his yeah. way but um he's always a regular in the uh, in the lit kit gallery with those acherbys um that are fresh fit so um it's good to see him doing well and yeah just up there with the guys mixing it another guy that's proving his sort of doubt is wrong or anyone that doesn't know who he is he's bringing attention to himself through his performance isn't he yeah it is uh, coming back uh, on Valentin, I would say that uh, I will never put one euro on him uh, before the season started because yeah. uh, I was disappointed so many times with him because 
he has one of the best uh, style uh, out there. He's a fantastic technical rider. He could do supercross. He could do whatever he wants. He's so precise and and really, honestly, one of the best to look at uh, when you're on track. But the consistency was never there. Um, I don't know if uh, it wasn't working properly, if he wasn't working uh, um, hard. I don't know. He has always uh, around him uh, his trainer, his coach. Uh, and uh, and if the Maria is in a program uh, like uh, uh, like other riders, that uh, gives him a lot of benefits. But I have to, to reconsider my opinion because uh, after many years of uh, disappointing results... Uh, He's back this year. He's doing pretty well. Arco di Trento was a marvelous race for him. Uh, and he did very well in many other races, included in France, where he was uh, really probably the only one that was coming into the pit lane from the big, the jump, uh, jumping so much than the others, with always with style, always doing some trick on the jumps. And uh, and this kid is, uh, I don't know, he has changed a little bit. I know him since a long time uh, and now he looks a little bit more uh, I don't know, probably a little bit more mature and uh, he's, uh, he's doing better. Uh, Brent is another rider that uh, I honestly never considered so much uh, to be regularly in the top 10. Uh, I have to be honest on this, uh, but uh, when I saw the results of the preseason this year, I was really surprised because he was doing very well was doing very well uh, I think in UK in Holland uh, in many races was having really good results uh, what means that this bike uh, as we said at the beginning of the season is quite good because the new Honda you see many riders having good results with this Honda like Gio and uh, like him uh, still uh, in standing construct they have some struggle because okay yeah. Uh, Pulse is getting injured many times and now he's again out for a few races even more probably but like Brian Bogers is not uh, this level and he wasn't even in the sand so they still he actually did okay have... on the weekend though didn't he Brian 10th overall despite being sick so that was a yeah. little, like, one positive I guess for him yeah 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 the, the, this was uh, the first one but when you see him on yeah. the 14th place uh, uh, like with half of the points of Guillaume uh, almost uh, it's uh not, not right, really is it? Thing. It's just yeah, not where you correct. Yes, there's something to me wrong, but still, uh, it's a, it's a good rider. But this bike uh, is is going well. It looks like the not the the standard bikes today are really all really good because yeah. we see many riders with standard bikes that can do very well with the Yamaha, with the Honda. Uh, we don't see many other, but uh, with mostly our Honda and Yamaha, and uh, they they sort out uh, really good results. Uh, so it's uh, it's quite cool. Before we mentioned all the injuries during the weekend, we didn't mention that there were riders getting injured in, or at least bruised in the first moto that weren't able to take the start of the second, like Carminas Jaziconis and Alberto Forado. Yeah. We have mm. to add them to to the list of riders that uh, were uh, going on the ground uh, really hard, and they could not uh, take the start in the second moto. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And, um, just yeah, Ben, your your thoughts on guys like um, Brent Van Donick and obviously um, the the standing construct. It's not like obviously seeing them how they're doing. They're obviously a really well run team. One of the one of the favourites uh, over the years, and all the riders that ride for them say they're the best, like Monticelli's and. And even Kolsoff yeah. loved it. And everyone, it's countless guys. So um, obviously the Honda, they're not quite um, adapting well to it. And especially after Bogus did so well last year, win the GP. And 
yeah, this must be so frustrating for him. So what's your take on on some of those guys and the Hondas in general? Well, with Van Donick, I saw Van Donick myself at Hawkstone and mm. um, I was like, who is that guy? You know, I was like, wow, you know, absolutely <laughs> flying. I mean, you know, I, I saw him fly past Fevre jumping into the, the sand pit, um, which was just stunning. And um, I mean, I interviewed him briefly after the race and he was he was sweating. Uh, he worked hard, you know, I mean, maybe he worked harder at that race than other riders did. So, you know, that might explain it a bit. But yeah, great riding style, great uh, classic sand rider going to be one to watch at the likes of Lommel and Arnhem and uh, and also maybe Latvia as well. He could well get up there. But um, uh, with the standard construct team, I mean, Jonas is just is having one of those seasons, one of those periods in his career that you just you just cry for the bloke because he's such a dedicated professional, such a great rider. At one point, I think up until halfway through the year he carried the number one plate, it looked like he was going to move up to MXGP and dominate. And then somebody called Prado got in the way. Um, so yeah, that was an unfortunate for him really that he collided, collided with his career, if you like. So that's a major shame uh, for, for, for Jonas, but you know, that as soon as he can, he will, you know, get straight back up there. And, you know, he's one of those where you just, just hope for the guy that he can get through because he, he's, he's clearly got the talent. He's got the professionalism. He's got the fitness. Uh, he just needs it to come together. And it's uh one of those, one of those careers that MXGP can be brutal with, uh, and that's uh, that 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 seems to be what's uh, what's happening there. Um, about the Hondas, I mean, uh, funny enough, we were talking on the um, on the SMX Review podcast. Just to plug my own podcast as well, uh, the SMX Review podcast. There, we were talking about um, uh, we were Justin Starling, who's uh, about to set up a Honda, and he was saying that it's the front end is is so hard. Um, that Sexton has actually had to maybe move the handlebars back a little bit to try and stop the front end washouts because he does ride so far further forward. So I think it depends massively on your riding style. I think if you are one of those riders that carries your weight and you, you sit right at the front of the bike or stand right at the front of the bike, um, then, uh, yeah, then you're, you, you could well be in trouble or, you know, you could have to adjust the bike a little bit there, but, uh, I think it's a good bike. You can, you know, it's good because more privateers are running it. Yeah. Uh, that's always a sign of a good bike. More privateers are actually running, running, running those machines. Um, but, uh, I think it's a bit more unforgiving as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely. Um, you've heard, heard it very go, goes. <laughs> yeah, well said, mate. Good, uh, good analysis of the situation. Obviously, yeah, check out. Advise everyone to check out that podcast with Starling because he always speaks really insightfully on the on the sport. It was fun. Obviously, it was good fun. Yeah, with you guys and obviously we we chatted Lorenzo about about our Aussie boy, uh, the Aussie Mitch Evans. Uh, obviously, thirteenth overall. That it's he's just building back. Um, third GP back. Um, obviously getting there, just adapting back to the the fitness, getting the bike right because obviously he had, he was flying in preseason and then that thumb injury cost him. But he even said just getting used to the the roost again is something that he. He needs to just sort of adapt to and and the and the big thing for him that he told James was changing the starting technique from HRC to Kawasaki. Yeah. It's a completely different thing that he's having to adapt to. So, but he said, yeah, no pain in the arm, no pain in the thumb, just feeling a bit run down. He he told James and he's just had some blood tests and he's they they know what's going on. So he's he's fixing that up now. So just just a case of catch up. Obviously missed the whole preseason really, except for training, no races. He's seven rounds behind the rest of the guys. So um, he said probably maybe don't expect too much in Latvia because it's kind of, a, in his words, a, a track where you see whoever's got the biggest balls will probably uh, shine the most there. But come Germany, um, 
I think we might see him around the top 10. And uh, is that what you think too, Lorenzo? Yeah, I hope so for him because, uh, of course, it's never easy when you come back from uh, a long-time injury. Uh, in the same year, you have changed team, you have changed your bike, you change everything, and you have to adapt uh, to all the new stuff. So it's an easy. Uh, he's not in a in an easy situation. I don't know him uh, his contract how if it's two years or just one year deal, uh, because maybe he could feel also some pressure if he's uh, just on one year plus an option for next year. Uh, I love him because he's uh, such a nice guy. Always have been a nice person. Always. Uh, really cool to talk with him we're chatting a little bit uh, before second moto of course is not the best track where to come back uh, portugal was way better for him as a kind of track with better flow uh, and even if sunday the track was a little bit better in france it was uh, really really tough i think in his condition to to uh, try to go for a good a good result. Uh, we saw in the qualification race and in the practice that he is still able to do some uh, some good results and to to show himself a little bit in front. Uh, it's not only a star technique that is different. I think uh, in between the two teams is also a kind of atmosphere that I think is really really different. Uh, don't uh, misunderstand me. I mean. Uh, Kawasaki is a brilliant, fantastic, uh, super professional team. But uh, the atmosphere in Honda was probably a little bit more relaxed, just due to the fact that uh, they were getting fantastic results uh, quite easy, I would say, even if it's never e easy. But with team, uh, it was uh, they, they, they get a lot of victories. Uh, in Ice One, as I still call uh, the team, they are still looking for... Uh, uh, one big result, you know. They have everything they need. They have a good bike. They have fantastic support from Japan. They have uh, one top guy like Roman Fevre that uh, can fight for. They were fighting in 2021, uh, of course, with uh, with uh, uh, with Roman. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's quite. Uh, I think there is quite a, a kind of pressure. Uh, on the team and Antti Pironen, who is uh, a nice friend of mine and uh, is always is really a professional guy, I think is one of the people that is really demanding with uh, the guy are working for him more than others. And I think uh, he, Mitch have also to adapt to this, not only to the bike and to the start system, but also to the different kind of philosophy uh, that there is in the team, kind of a different way to approach the races that there are between those two uh, top teams. Yeah, no, well said. Obviously, it's a it's a second seat conundrum teams in the in the past. Obviously, Kawasaki's faced it recently with with Watson, and obviously they had Monticelli recently. Even though they're different structures uh, of ownership or whatever, but um, yeah, the, the HRC was. I did a long feature a while back about the the the, the, the second seat with Geyser. It's always a hard one for that when you're behind that elite level guy. So um, we really hope Mitch can do well because he's got. He's definitely yeah. one of the most talented guys. He's when he's got those glimpses of speed. So if he can piece everything together, um, I think he could be onto a really great career. But yeah, we're just we're just waiting to see it. And um, as we go down the list, um, Ben just you know Cock getting eleventh, Lapino who I spoke to um recently and just a great dude and so happy. Um, <laughs> he, he hates it when Tony comes to the track. He said, "Oh fuck, this guy's just like playing with us. He starts way behind us and then he just flies by." <laughs> He just loves playing with the heads because he's just so good still. And um, yeah, Lupino, like he got he got a, he had a great ten top ten in um Spain and then getting a twelfth here and 
um, yeah, just a great dude to, to yeah. have around still. And he's doing the double duties with the testing and developing the new bike and and then racing. And then um, yeah, obviously Watson didn't have a weekend uh, to remember. He had some issues and sort of bad luck sure. to get through. And then Patrell had one really good moto. Obviously had the kit. The bike looked incredible for the home fans. And, and Rubini yeah. um, was there. He was saying that that was his last GP to James. So And Jacoby even uh, sort of <laughs> had, a, had a good race too. So... Those guys thrown in the mix. It's yeah. just such a such a high level of talent across across MXGP. So, just your key takeaways from that that little group of riders before we hit the MX2 class. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I was going to say about Mitch. Actually, um, I'm sure I read in Rob Andrews' book something about his uh, Kawasaki team boss in the 1980s telling him he couldn't start properly or he couldn't use the clutch properly because he has to use it differently on a Kawasaki. So uh, it's interesting to see that come back about 35 years later than uh, than that particular story. But uh, I mean, that must be strange for any professional rider to be told completely you've got to change your start technique. I mean, mm. as much as they are professional guys and skilled and everything to do that, that's a strange thing to say. So I, I, I don't really... Uh, don't really get why that's uh, that's happening, but um, and also you you touched on it yourself, Lorenzo. I mean, Anti Pirinen. I mean, I met him at Fox at, at Hawkstone, and um, I think uh, yeah, nice guy, but I don't know if I'd like to be managed by him. <laughs> I think he's I think he could be very unforgiving, you know. <laughs> so something about that Finnish accent that just carves through you. I can imagine some bad words coming out of that mouth and like destroying your confidence. You know what I mean? <laughs> some guys might react to that you know somebody like Fevre obviously does and and you know he's fine with that it's like yeah no nonsense let's get it done but I think some guys who might want some more TLC might struggle in that uh, in that environment but yeah I mean you can see why deep field you know um I mean yeah the likes of Rubini quality rider Jacoby well, Tom Cock and Batchel yeah I mean yeah the just incredible guys. I mean, Ashton Dickinson, the Brit, has uh, got, got in a few points and proud of that. That's great. Um, but yeah, it, it's such a deep field um, and you can see why that uh, it's just a step a step above. I mean, I have endless debates with Americans about, you know, Hurling should uh, come over and race the best in the world. And I'm like, he is. He's racing the best in the world right now. You know, it's <laughs> such a stacked field and I'll have that argument with anybody across the Atlantic if they if they want it. <laughs> yeah, mate, they'll, they'll be coming at you, mate, the keyboard warriors and someone else <laughs> on the plane to, uh, really? to duke it out. <laughs> yeah, mate, but uh, moving on to the MX2 class, obviously so good to see Benestant uh, back to a level that, uh, you know, we're all he's all capable of. He's so technical, such a talented sort of flamboyant rider. He's um just was really happy. Even he, he had a massive moment in in the races too, he almost went through a monster board. He was telling James, and he, he was even finding yeah. the, the limits of, of uh, you know traction and uh, and pushing and smoothness. And obviously, it's just it was so brutal that track. But um, just the atmosphere was great um, for him. Lorenzo was sort of the French guys obviously did well, and I I wanted to get your thoughts on Mark Antoine Rossi. Obviously, I spoke to him a couple of days ago. Really good young kid. Um, only 17 and the progression he's had obviously uh from amx to dmx 250 to mx2 it's a rapid rise in the last little short period of time and and we were sort of flashing back to his podium at lacapelle in 2021 obviously during that amazing title season when he was in the amx 125 and that was obviously his best day set of racing but the the way he rode on the weekend was just was just so good obviously p2 time practice p5 qualifying um and then the races he held his own too and it was just a great learning experience and it was interesting to note obviously bond of course he's been sort of the guy out front and he was like well maybe uh he'll know who i am a bit more now because after i've done such a good performance and that uh yeah they're in a good place loves the environment that team under renee at the ktm 
VRT Factory Juniors. His teammate Zanke's uh, won another star for the future too. So just, yeah, Lorenzo, your thoughts on those guys? Because it was uh, pretty cool to see them doing so well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic. Uh, as I told you, probably the two motos have, uh, in MX2 they were the best, uh, the best of the year for sure. But uh, probably the best since couple of uh, years. Uh, we saw really great battles in front. Uh, we saw Benny Stone getting the victory. It was amazing to see that he has, to me, much more fans than Roman Favre, who was born like one hour and a half from there. It's probably question of character, question of uh, empathy, you know, to be more uh, friendly or whatever. Uh, I think that Roman really doesn't care about anything else than, uh, of course, his family, uh, his daughter, his wife, but in, on, on track, he's taking care only about himself, his results, and uh, it's kind of philosophy that can uh, can work. Um, Thibaut is, uh, is different. Thibaut is much more uh, from south of France. Uh, his character is much more like Latin and uh, uh, is having this extra stuff for the public that they love him, really. They they, they were cheering for him around the track everywhere. There were flags with Benny Storm, Benny Storm, uh, 198, 198, everywhere. In the, and the people were getting really crazy for him alongside the track. So it was a great victory for him. Great for the atmosphere, great for uh, the podium. And I have to say that at one moment they were coming under the podium, uh, but just before the start of the MXGP race, what was a difficult moment. Uh, but uh, Manianou, the guy who is uh, making the, the speaker, the French guy, was just saying, guys, please, getting out of uh, the starting line before uh, we do the ceremony, because we have another race and it's dangerous and everyone was going out easy. You know, not so common uh, to see people uh, acting so well, reacting so well to a request from a speaker. And that uh, was really nice. Uh, going on, uh, Marc-Antoine Rossi is a, is a young kid, as you said. He surprised me a lot because uh, since the beginning of the season, uh, he was having something extra uh, compared to the others. In Portugal, uh, I saw him uh, doing a couple of corners like nobody else on track. Even in MX2, uh, like almost touching with a helmet on the ground, it reminds me a lot about Tunnel Leoc, uh, uh, the cornering of Tunnel Leoc, uh, one of the guys that went more down with the uh, with the head, the shoulder, and everyone, everything on, on the on the ground uh, without crashing. And uh, and Marc Antoine has some extra skills. He still needs to put all together. And we saw on the standings of the European EMX 250, where the gap with uh, Bonacorsi is still huge. Uh, and Andrea is uh, really, really happy that uh, the sand is coming because uh, he loved the sand and uh, he, he cannot wait to, to fight with the others in the sand. So Latvia can be good. Um, Holland can be really good. And Finland, if Finland happened, because the biggest noise of the weekend was that they are in trouble with uh, financial issues and stuff like that. So maybe no race in Finland, but just rumors. So I can, uh, if I was the organizer there or the, the press agent of the track, I would just make a, a statement, you know, a press release saying, no, the race will happen. Uh, uh, everything is in place or I don't know. But uh, by the part of this, Marc Antoine is surprising a lot. He was really quick in the practice. He still have this kind of extra madness in his head that uh, he closed the eyes and he opened the throttle even when he's a little bit dangerous. But 
also Zanki surprised me surprised me a mm. lot because if in the races Marc Antoine was seventh overall, uh, Ferruccio was at nine overall. Mm. Imagine that Ferruccio uh, was looking for a one to five bike uh, this winter for a team to do the European one to fifty and to go for a championship in one to fifty, try to get the title there. Uh, it didn't find out. Uh, they find those this deal with uh, with the team uh, uh, VRT and uh, is now showing uh, really good progress. It's his first year on a four stroke, his first year on a 250, and he was top 10 and he wasn't happy. I can't say that he wasn't happy during the whole weekend. The father was getting mad. He told me, I don't understand what he wants more than this. But this says a lot about those young kids like Marc Antoine and like Ferruccio. The team is doing a fantastic job, really professional. They could do tomorrow the World Championship uh, like uh, MX2, like Uten Metal, yeah. like all those structures. GMC, the 1250 Yamaha team, those are team that are structured exactly like a world championship team they do a super professional job and those teams are the key for the future or of the brands they are working for the success yeah. of yamaha is going through gmc team who was celebrating 10 years of races uh, in uh, uh, in villar suseco and then uten metal and then Kemea and then the factory team. This structure works perfectly, and those smaller, but really that's not the right word, teams yeah. are doing a fantastic job for the future of the brand because those kids one day they will arrive in a factory team and they will never change brand till they reach one point. Then maybe one day they will change because uh, everyone make his choice then. But that's the right work. And I'm feeling that KTM is doing it now also, following a little bit what uh, Yamaha is doing. And this team, VRT, is the key for the future of MX2 and the future of MXGP. Everyone was uh, being really critical with uh, the decision of keeping... Uh, Rider as uh, Adamo, uh, Sasha Koinen, uh, and uh, uh, Liam Evers uh, uh, in the factory team. Everyone was saying it's uh, uh, the value of those riders is really not uh, on the level of the team, but they are proving that they can always fight for good results. Uh, Andrea is doing an incredible season, mm -hmm. part of the injury of Iago Gertz. He was doing one of the best races probably of his life in the second moto i have the picture of the first corner he was last on the first corner of moto 2 he was 11 on the first lap that is not shown in the in the lap chart in the second on the second time on the finish line he was ninth i guess and then he was able to come back with a progression that is un incredible and he was coming back on on fantastic riders that were riding well so and the fight with uh, with Liam and of the yeah. first moto was something great, clean, really clean, uh, but really tough, you know, like what we like to. And the most surprised uh, around the track, I can say, was Tony Cairoli, who was in love with this ride, and he said, "Wow, I love this. This is what I need to see <laughs> with my riders," you know. And he was really, and he said, "This kid is is doing properly. He's doing the right way. Like hungry, and he wants more and more." And uh, and just a quick one on Adamo, um, Lorenzo. I was uh, Rossi was saying because he had he had that big gap to him in the second moto. He thought he said, "Where the hell did Adamo?" 
go. Like I thought he crashed. I couldn't see him anymore. You know, that's a show that doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, honestly, everyone was surprised that, and this kid is surprising. I think he's even his team many, many, many times and uh, see him uh, again on the podium. I'm happy that he didn't get the red plate on that specific race where Iago was injured. I have also yeah. to say that Tony was one of the most uh, uh, sad guy about this injury to Iago. He's a former rider. Uh, he's, uh, he knows what it means to get in pain, to lose a championship for an injury, to lose uh, uh, races, to lose. So it was really... Uh, uh, I saw him really sad for this. Deeply, humanly sad for, uh, for what happened to Iago and uh, everyone in the paddock was sad for this again from a fan's point of view the championship would be even better with this but it's uh, it's sad to see that someone that deserved uh, the title uh, it's uh, it's getting so much pain and uh, he cannot fight now for a while Back on, uh, what we were saying before about uh, uh, when uh, Maxime Renault will be back uh, I hope so Soon, but I'm pretty sure not uh, for before 2024. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a big uh, one, isn't it? Okay. Like Hurlings went through with with his foot, and like yeah. you were saying, that little um, yeah, that little uh, moment he had with him, telling him the best advice to go forward with it. But um, yeah, obviously Beniston was was saying that he just didn't really want to talk about the championship because you know we're talking about his teammate who was leading the championship in his last year in MX2, and um, yeah, no one wants to see that. And it was, it was his time was now this year, really, wasn't it? And it's just. Um, it's thrown up a big mix and yeah just to touch on Adamo fifth podium already uh, just logging the points the speed's good um, just a little funny one he, he mentioned to uh, James was he actually said he wants the red plate now as before he was like oh, I'm just logging the points I'm just doing my thing race <laughs> to race balance level-headed um, maximizing everything from each weekend but yeah he sort of had that ridiculously fast speed and yeah, and he's coping yeah. with all the pressure that comes with the ride. And like you said, all those people that doubted him and he's doing his own thing and he's in, he's in that environment that's really conducive for success. So um, everything's in the right direction for him and uh, it, it's going to be hard to stop him at this point. So Ben, who, who have you got as your, your title man, obviously Kaida Wolf didn't have the weekend he wanted, got the fastest lap time in the opening moto and obviously Lucas Coonan did in the second who will, will touch on, and these 16, 17-year-old guys mm. like Danky and, and Coonan and, and obviously Rossi, it's crazy. Like There's three right. guys that are 17 and under in the top 10. And it's like, this is ridiculous. So it's a good era coming through, a good a good crop of talent. But yeah, who's your sort of title favourite? Who's got the edge, mate, after the weekend and what stood out for you? Mate, I'm still wiping up the tears from Yago's crash, to be honest. I'm still so upset with that. I just, I saw him coming down there and I saw the GoPro image was so scary coming down that track. And I'm just like, you know, it's not my place to talk about the track preparation and things like that, but oh my Lord. Oh, we've you know, kind of been there. I, I'm sure you already have, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just tragic. You know, it's just, oh, I just, just gutted. Um, and uh, and uh, then I got angry because I saw in the replay some trackside Frenchman celebrating and I was just like, oh, ready, ready to strike a fist into the telly. I got, I, if you replay it, like there's a, a Frenchman going bananas, really happy that Yago's hit the floor and I'm like, you know but um yeah. <laughs> that's just uh by the by but uh yeah so yeah struggling with that um Beniston, that yamaha's good that yamaha is so good right now um so i think he's got a good chance um we'll really see what happens with tebow i think once we get into the sandy tracks and see how he copes with that um i was really happy to see liam fighting with adamo mm. and come out on top i think that was very good for him 
um, and also very very good for that team. And yeah, I'm sure that uh, Tony was very happy with with uh, seeing his guys there. Uh, I don't know about DeWolf. I think DeWolf is still. I actually think he's almost still growing. I think he's just in that sort of area where he's so tall, he has to be accurate and he has to be more accurate because if he's out and I know this, I'm six foot five, I'm 195 centimeters. You know, that's uh, if I, if I was wrong on a bike, I was way wrong, you know, so you had to be <laughs> right. And I think Kai DeWolf is that, I mean, if he, if, if Lucas Coonan gets in one of those um, shapes, he can get away with it, but Kai, Kai DeWolf cannot. So, you know, I, I think that he needs to be a bit, he just needs to be more accurate partially because of his size. Um, and I, I think he can move up to 450s in two years' time. You know, and I think he's he might fun to watch, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's wild. He's mad. He's great to watch. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't see a championship this year, but um, he's great. He's one of the best to watch for sure. Um, and they look great. There's something about those fox, the fox gear and the husky just looks, you know, I, I know that's a bit posy to talk about that, but <laughs> and they look good. I, there's something about a Husqvarna H, it's in my blood, you know, Scandinavian blood. That's what it's all about. Uh, but yeah, Kuna was sensational. Um, but I, the championship, I think, is between Adamo and Beniston. Um, and I'll only really be able to tell the winner, I think, once they, we see the sand and see who comes out best. But my guess right now is Adamo. Yeah, it's certainly shaping up really nicely. And obviously, Everett's uh, another great another great round and another great battle. And obviously, him and Adamo are getting pretty familiar. Obviously, they had that awesome duel in Trentino as well. And um, just to move on to Lucas Kuhn, and um, just so good to see him up there piecing a weekend together. He's had When he gets the starts, he's been having a tip over. When he doesn't get the starts, he's been running through the field. And it's just, he's shown glimpses. I'm obviously done well in some races, qualifying races. But to do that... Um, yeah, it was pretty impressive, wasn't it, Lorenzo? And the, the future's bright, yeah. so bright for those guys. Obviously, his brother, Mick Fortunes, obviously had a big one and he, he wasn't able to really um, yeah, get much out of the weekend. But yeah, contrasting fortunes for the for the guys, but uh, pretty impressive. The talent's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, those kids are animals, honestly, um, in, in a good sense, in a good way. Um, Lucas, uh, if you remember last year in uh, yeah, Mix 250, he won, I don't know, like... Uh, some seven out of seven of the last eight, three of the last four overalls. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I I can see him at the end of this year start doing the same, you know, uh, because it's just question of uh, having a good start and taking the confidence with the rhythm in front. Uh, now without Iago, uh, the rhythm will calm down uh, a little bit in terms of uh, pure speed even if the races probably were getting more wild in terms of fight for the victories, because, uh, of course, uh, now there are four riders that they know, three, four riders, they know they can fight for the victory uh, at the end of the year. And uh, if you say, if you take Adamo, the Wolf and Benny Stone, those three riders for sure can fight till the end of the season without getting injured. Lagenfelder is out, Van der Mosdijk uh, and Liam, I don't see them fighting for the title. So to me, it's a question of uh, those three riders. Uh, in terms of uh, experience to be in front, to be there, uh, I would say that uh, to me, Kai is a little bit more, he's having something more, but he's always doing some mistakes through the year and the consistency is not his uh, key point. Adamo is having a fantastic season and the consistency is what is paying 
uh, off at the moment more for him. So I, I'd like to say, Andrea, if I wasn't Italian, I'm Italian and uh, I cannot say Andrea, of course, uh, because of... Uh, uh, you can understand why. <laughs> so I would say, say Benistan. That's fine. I would say Benistan because uh, Tibo, uh, <laughs> parts of everything, is doing pretty well. He did a fantastic race right at the uh, the right moment. Uh, but when uh, we will be on the sand, uh, I'm also concerned a little bit about uh, his performance. Uh, what I'm not with Kaido Wolf because. Uh, Kai, it's uh, astonishing mm. in the in the end, but I have to point uh, my finger a little bit on the fantastic job uh, that uh, Joel's Mets did uh, with those kids. Uh, Joel started working at the middle of the season last year with Andrea, even if he was riding for another team, and uh, now uh, the the work that is combined in between. Joel and Tony is giving fantastic results. Uh, this kid is having a, a is living his dream. He's in uh, one of the best team, maybe the best team ever, but one of the best team out there because I cannot say differently from Yamaha is also the best team out there, but he's in uh, one of the two best teams you can be. He's having advices and he's coached by uh, uh, 14 uh, world championship uh, in between Tony and uh, Joel Smets. Uh, he's having the best advice, the best material, the best training facilities, but he's putting himself uh, completely in uh, in the battle. You know, he's not just receiving stuff yeah. and uh, uh, managing to do uh, the minimum. He's doing the maximum out of what he has. And uh, the attitude to me is the perfect one uh, to fight for a title. Is uh, is really good. Yeah, yeah still... he's got that sort of combination of um, Smets's knowledge, the physical training knowledge, and the bike knowledge, but also Tony's super updated. You know, he's racing last yes. year, racing so recently, so he's got all that really recent knowledge yeah. plus the history and the advice, and so he's just like it's just a perfect blend of information he's getting to to take himself to the you... next level. And when you see the starts of Andrea, they are sometimes so poor, like Argentina, like places yeah. like that. He started almost last uh, and he's able to come up uh, at the end of the first lap in fifth, sixth, ninth places when he was last. This is something that you cannot buy. This is something that you cannot train for. There will be no training to beat 20 riders in front of you in the first lap. You have it or not. And I remember Tony as this skill. Okay, he was always really good in the start. But when the start wasn't that good, he was able to just put himself in the middle where there was a little space where he could go. And Andrea is having this and he's having his extra motivation to just uh, fight like, uh, like a little animal. I still hear a lot from people that knows much, much more than me that Sasha is more talented than Lucas. Yep. The physical uh, side, of course, don't help him because he's so small. He's so uh, His brother is much bigger. He's already uh, fit and uh, he could ride tomorrow a 450. But Sasha is, I think, 45 or 46 kilos. Mm. So it's a baby, even if they have exactly the same age. They are completely different on, on uh, the body. Uh, but I still hear a lot of a lot of people that are completely involved with them uh, directly that saying that Sasha has 
more talent and more skills than his brother. I think that this beginning of the season is not showing the real uh, potential of Sasha, who uh, is really a, a, a great one. But injuries and a little bit of uh, uh, shade of his brother is putting him a little bit uh, in, uh, in a kind of uh, difficult situation. I hope that uh, he will come back soon. Yeah, he definitely just needs that continuity of races and that MX2 experience level because he obviously suffered many injuries recently uh, last yes. year and he just needs last to get year, same. yeah just needs to get that bike time, doesn't he? Because yeah, we've heard yeah. that uh, yeah he's like the pocket rocket, the dynamo, the all action. Like they're both <laughs> immensely talented, and then obviously Lucas is a bit more in control, yes. measured. Even though he's had his own crashes too, and he's got away with them. But yeah, watching their progress will be absolutely fascinating in the coming weeks and. Obviously, Lucas has got that result now, and there's there's not too many 16-year-olds winning MX2 rounds, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, just for you, Ben, um, Ron van der Moosdijk, obviously just logging some more points, um, just sort of doing what he has to do, I guess, probably not where he wants to be. Obviously, he's fighting for an MXGP spot next year, and another one like Kevin Hogbone, they just – Kevin had that start, and we, his speed's been really good um, and, and recently, so we a lot of yeah. expectation was that he'll stay there and hold that speed, but it was a little bit um, – different to see him dropping back like he did maybe he probably would have hoped to have held his own a little bit longer than that too so just just some of your thoughts on that mx2 mate because it was bloody great weekend of racing yeah stunning racing uh, really good um yeah as uh again the eurosport commentator told me that it kind of saved the meeting <laughs> uh did the mx2 because it kind of like yeah it, it uh, drew your attention away from the circuit maybe but um yeah i mean certainly you've got if you're if you're a belgian all of a sudden you're looking good for, for the future so that's that's really good as well a, a country that's been kind of starved of success after so many years of of dominating really so yeah and uh, i'm sure that's part of the reason that uh, joel is putting so much into these kids as well but yeah so to see i mean yeah the, the two current brothers uh, are astonishing um i mean yeah sasha was was amazing in uh, in spain and and uh yeah considering he hasn't had that much bike time um and yeah to see lucas pull off that win was was awesome um van der Moosdijk, you've got to think it's not a great look if you're trying to head for an mxgp ride and um, your two teammates are kind of putting you in the shade a little bit. That's that's got to be a bit concerning. I mean, you know, if you're a team manager, you're thinking, do I do I plug for him? Um, you know, for for MXGP, uh, that's difficult to say. Will he improve when he hits a 450? I don't know. Is it a year too long in 250? I don't know. But yeah, you'd you'd want to be you want to be seeing better results out of him if you're considering him for a 2024 MXGP ride, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got to just look, okay, right, Latvia, we've got some sand coming, Lommel, you know, and all the rest of it. Hopefully Finland does happen um, because I think that's where van der Moosdijk will, will look to uh, improve and, uh, and get himself under that spotlight and under the good impression that, yeah, he could hold down an MXGP factory ride because right now, I've got to be honest, I can't see anything really going for him. Uh, and what about it's... Hogmo? So factory. Hogmo, um, is it his last year in, MX, in MX2? I believe so. Um, yeah. Sorry, just, just a little bit out of date. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, he's, he's one of those that, like you say, he faded and that's never a good look. So um, a 450 is only going to be worse. Um, so yeah, he really does have the pressure on, I think. Uh, shame because, you know, Norwegian blood, you know, I want, I want him to do well, but, uh, you know, there, there aren't many Norwegians get up there. But uh, yeah, he's... Um, He's an impressive rider and he's, he's strong, but he, to fade is, again, when you've got all these kids and this teenage talent coming up, uh, he needs to be beating them. 
simple as you know he needs to be out there really with with where Kiertz was um so uh we'll see i hope i hope he does well I and mean, don't wish anybody bad but it's a tough sport and if you're looking at it coldly neither of one of those two would really be lighting my fire yeah, so, Kawasaki's yeah. definitely struggling a little bit, um, especially that that team. He's on the the F and H Kawasaki with Braceras having a have a forgettable weekend as well. And yeah, Kevin Hogmo was sort of yeah we expect a lot from him, and he's obviously an exceptional talent. But it's just sort of the Argentina. He set the bar high with that great ride, and it's it's yeah. not obviously Mark and the team are doing everything they can. It's a great structure to, to get him to where he needs mm-hmm. to be. And just another Kawasaki man, Chambers. Um, you've just spoken to him, so. His take yeah, on the weekend, yeah. mate, and your thoughts on him quickly. Um, yeah, his, his his story about Foxhill was very entertaining. So um, yeah, seek out the Great British Motocross Show because that's worth listening to. He had a he had a mad race at Foxhill, um, but that was for the British Championship. But uh, yeah, he he kind of was okay with the track because he's been training and riding on what he calls concrete. Anyway, you know, he's been training on that sort of going uh, over in the UK here. He's found some practice tracks that are like, uh, like the, kind of like Donington Park, Brands Hatch. That's all there. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, he's been, um, he's been enjoying that. So he was fine with France. He said it was, it was um, still fast, but in a more technical way. Um, and uh, yeah, he doesn't see too many ruts like that. Um, in, uh, in in the American races he's been at, you know, that's more like sort of sand track ruts, as he put it. Um, he had a chain kill off, I think, in his second race. Um, so that was his story from there. But yeah, other than that, he was quite happy with the weekend because if he'd have stayed where he was, he would have finished eighth overall. So yeah, he's um, he's enjoying having the extra time to learn the circuits that he wouldn't have if he was in the USA or in the UK. Um, so yeah, um, but again, there is that there's just that question over these green bikes if they can really handle an awful lot of tuning um he says they have got more capacity to get more horsepower um but uh, they're not utilizing all of it quite yet which is okay. yeah, um may need to make sure that it gets home so yeah um he's confident it would have done had the chain not broken so. <laughs> yeah yeah no he's That's certainly right. coming along well and it's good to have that american rider and, and the attention on him and and just final thoughts on MX2 from you, Lorenzo. Um, obviously, good to see Camden McClellan back after after missing pretty much all the season with that injury. He got in Argentina, and and obviously Jan Panzer, he keeps plugging away. And, and good to see Pronier is obviously getting the top ten in the in the second moto there. So there's there's even Mike Word at thirteenth. It's it's impressive. So there's there's some good talent there just below the surface, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely good. I was thinking if now we will see in the races without the MX250 sometime uh, Andrea uh, Bonacorsi riding because Yamaha needs uh, to put uh, there some uh, some good riders and maybe uh, it would be interesting to see him uh, uh, riding MX2 where it could be next year because uh, we know that... Because Elzing uh, has done the collarbone too, hasn't he? Yes, yes, but I think he will be back for uh, for the race in Latvia because to those days, collarbone, it takes just a couple of weeks normally to, to recover. Uh, but still, Iago will be not there for a long time, so it will be interesting to see if Andrea will uh, take uh, some time uh, uh, the white card uh, to some uh, to some GP, even if the, the, the level is really high. And uh, I don't know, uh, I think that uh, when we will be back uh, uh, racing the EMX 250, uh, it will need to do a little extra to just uh, 
keep uh, Marc Antoine Rossi and uh, and Zanki behind because uh, doing a race like that in the MX2 class, I think, is a really an extra boost for you when you're back in the European Championship. Uh, uh, riding in that rhythm uh, with the big boys, uh, I mean, not big, big, but uh, quite big boys, uh, it's uh, giving a lot uh, to you than in your European Championship. And uh, it would be interesting to see when they are back on track what happened. Uh, it was, as I said, the most interesting category uh, during the the weekend. And I'm trying to look a little bit uh, about the silly season, uh, as you were saying about uh, Ron van de Mosdijk. He needs to find a place in MXGP as uh, Kevin Orgmo and a few others. And uh, I'm curious to see what will happen if some of the teams come back onto riders like uh, the Yamaha, uh, Van den Roy, uh, maybe they, they can... Uh, decide to go back onto riders or if the team of Benoit Paturel will put two bikes next year for uh, uh, for them or someone can take the place of Rubini but uh, it would be difficult to find a good bike uh, for those uh, riders if they don't prove to be really ready because then you have as we said before some really good riders uh, like Paturel, Guillaume, Brand Van Donick that they have more experience in the main class and they prove that they can uh, give good results already. So it would be not easy. Uh, I'm really curious uh, to see who uh, Triumph will pick up for MX2 next year because it's time to for them uh, to, to go for two riders and to, to try to find uh, two good riders. I guess one really experienced rider, but in MX2 it can be 22 years old at the <laughs> maximum. And one maybe young riders coming from the the European class, so it would be interesting to see. I saw already the manager uh, of uh, some good riders going around and talking for uh, for this, and I'm really curious because uh, I I was in touch uh, with someone uh, about the Ducati story, and they are building up uh, their future in MXGP and in America. And if in America it's easier to find uh, a good team ready to race. Uh, in uh, Europe is a little bit more difficult because many teams have already a contract or don't want to change uh, for something that is unnew. So uh, it would be difficult for them to find out a team. At the moment, is the main option for them. They will not try to build up a new team, taking uh, one uh, chief mechanic, uh, some mechanics, one uh, uh, technician or uh, team manager or whatever. They want to find a structure that is already built up and taking completely and possible Italian because they will work uh, closely, but it's not uh, compulsory. But it would be difficult because uh, there are not so many structures ready to change uh, completely. And then, of course, it's not for 2024, it's for 2025, but it would be interesting because they will come with only two riders in MXGP and not MX2. So it would be quite different from uh, Triumph. But it's a part of the silly season because uh, uh, it's time for Triumph to to pick up uh, two riders for next year. There's a team going missing in uh, not far from us, the Hitachi KTM, fueled by Milwaukee. As uh, yeah. they're not racing this year, they couldn't shut their doors. So, you know, nice injection of factory cash. I'm sure they'll be very happy and ready and willing to go with some experienced people. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. And that's just about it for the MX Vice show. Um, yeah, just uh, any thanks again for joining us, uh, Lorenzo. And um, what, what's the week ahead look like for you, mate? 
Just relax. Uh, quite easy for this time. I don't have any races. There is the girl Italian World Championship, the female Italian World uh, Championship. So I will just take a look from uh, far. I will not, of course, go there. I will try to take one week complete off from the bike because we have very few and yeah. uh, the season is so busy that we really need. Uh, my daughter plays a game uh, uh, on Sunday morning uh, and uh, volleyball. So I will just take it easy and try to maybe gardening a little bit, stuff like that. And yeah. without without making the noise with the mouth, like bop, bop. <laughs> so just try to be aware, aware, away from the bikes. <laughs> oh, thanks again, mate. Cheers for um, taking the time. And um, Ben, just said, um, anything with you, mate? You uh, Big weekend ahead for you, I believe. Yeah, Black Sword British Championship. So, um, yeah, one of the longest drives for me uh, for the domestic series. So, um, yeah, that'll be uh, entertaining, but it's uh, it's beautiful. You know, when you, I'm sure you've done it, Lorenzo, you drive past a golf course and you think, yeah, and then to get a motocross bike up there. <laughs> that's what Black Sword is like. You know, it's like you go there, it's, wow. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the guy with the lawnmower has been making his, his motorbike noises because it's just, it's, it's like when, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's like one of your, uh, uh, yeah, one of your Serie A pitches. It's yeah. just a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, venue. So yeah, really looking forward to that. It's a nice track. Uh, the commentary point is wonderful because you can see virtually every single corner and jump. It's a great venue. Great. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real highlight for me, and it's um, it's the the first time that I would have been commentating at a British Championship for the third year running. Ooh. Um, so ooh, that's ooh. Uh, it's it's really nice. So, yeah, I'm not sure if it's being live streamed. That is still up for debate. Um, but that's British Motocross for you. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and the championship is tight as well, especially in MX1. Uh, it's uh, it's very tight. So yeah, it's going to be an entertaining weekend for sure. Yeah, it's obviously in the Aussie Championships on with Dean Ferris leading the way on one of those Yamahas. Uh, obviously, the guys know well. So yeah, that's that's happening there. But um, before we let you go, I'll just give a shout out to the sponsors. Obviously, AS3 Performance Parts the home of aftermarket motocross endurance parts from hard-wearing protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces to performance cooling plates, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability as well. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk and obviously Kawasaki Motors UK. Just get amongst that KLX 140R range. It's obviously an excellent package. Um, yeah, plush suspension, push-button electric start, makes for great trailblazers. And uh, yeah, come in three different sizes, ranging from juniors, first steps, to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. So check them out and go to your local dealer for more information. All right, everybody, that's been the uh, MX Vice Show, episode 127. So thanks, lads, for joining us and have a great week. Fantastic. Cheers, Ed. Cheers, Lanza. Ciao. Ciao.